Good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim here, and it is good to be with you here in this first Sabbath of October. And hasn't it been uh, just kind of a great start weather-wise, I find, to the uh, autumn season? And I don't know about you, but it seems like to me, just from my experience, you get to about this time of the year and somebody steps on the pedal and time just flies and all of a sudden it's Christmas. I, I don't know what that is, uh, the psychology of that, but it just feels like to me with all the activities and all the holidays, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, all the things we're running to, trying to get our Christmas shopping done, trying to get our lights and our trees up and all of a sudden it all passes us by. And talking about Christmas, I'll never forget a few years ago, uh, it was 2004, if my memory serves me correctly, and it was December the 26th. I'd had a wonderful time with my family, and I was up that morning having my breakfast, turned on the news, hearing about this terrible disaster that had taken place over in Southeast Asia. Anybody remember that, this tsunami that just was unleashed upon the world? There had been this earthquake beneath the Indian Ocean, and it just created this 100-foot wall of water, and it just wrecked havoc in the lives of people. In fact, thousands of people died. Damage could be felt as far away as Africa, the African coast, some 5,000 miles away. But in many cases, all the people that were living there in that vicinity, in those areas of Indonesia and India and Thailand and in that southeast region of Asia, many people died. Over a quarter of a million people lost their life. This huge tidal wave just swept people away. Many villages were wiped out. In many cases, every man, woman, and child. All except one exception. Did you hear about this? There was one group of people that survived and no one died. This small tribe they call the Morgan Sea Gypsies. Now, this is a small tribe of fishermen. And as we're told, they spend all of their lives out on the seas fishing there, somewhere between Indonesia and India. And they're out there fishing. And in December, in between the fishing season, they reside in these small huts on the beaches of Thailand. And they were smack dab in the path of this torrential, this incredible wall of water, but all of them survived. They investigated and they talked to the, the uh, chief of the tribe and they said, well, how did you manage to uh, get everyone out of here to safety? And he said, well, it's very easy. He said, for years, our forefathers warned us that if you ever see the water recede rapidly, that it will come back in the same amount and more so. And so on that day when we saw the, the water draining from the beaches, many people were grabbing their baskets to go out and pick up the food, uh, the fish that had been left. But I ordered all of our people to head for the hills, to run for the mountains, to run to safety, and we did. And we survived. I tell you that story today because I think it really rings of a, a striking parallel in the early chapters of the Bible as we look here in Genesis chapter 5 today. Uh, this remarkable story in our day really is a parable that's striking about the events that surrounded this text here in Genesis 
5 and 6. The opening chapters of the Bible, as you know, are really the introduction to the rest of God's story, the rest of His story. And they explain the, uh, who we are and the way we are. And um, these couple of chapters here in 4 and 5 really set the stage for the great flood which God unleashed on a world gone wild. A group of people that uh, made it was Noah and his family. And it was a small tribe that had listened to their father and their father's God and they were spared. Now make no mistake about it, we better listen too because judgment is coming again as we read the story of the Bible. Final judgment will not come in the form of a tsunami or a worldwide flood. But those who survive the coming judgment, just like the ones who survived the last, will be the people who have endured, the people who have listened, the people who have obeyed God, the people who have been walking with the Lord. Remember the words of Jesus there before he left this world there, the instruction he gave in Matthew chapter 24. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now today we are experiencing troubling times, are we not? Uh, we're facing a great falling away from the church and from God, especially here in parts of uh, of the world like North America and in Europe and, and other places. There's disturbing signs that ought to behoove all of us to be ready for the coming of Christ, to be obeying the Lord, to have your faith in God, to be watchful and ready. And that's why we're in this sermon series right now. We're, we're calling it, God, I need you. God, I need you. We all need God. And we need the Lord today. We need to be walking with God. Now, in Genesis 5, some people call this the death chapter. Uh, it, it reads like this, and he died, and he died. This person lived, and he died. This person lived this amount of years, and he died. You can almost see the caskets and the graves. You can hear the wailing of the people because verse after verse after verse after verse here in Genesis 5, it's and he died. But then all of a sudden in this desert of death, there's a lily of the field. There's a lily of life by the guy that's name here is Enoch. And we know little about Enoch. Uh, he only had one claim to fame. And he never parted a Red Sea like Moses. He never wrestled with an angel like Jacob. He, he never slew a giant like David. He never walked on water like Peter or Jesus. He didn't even write a single verse of the Bible. And in fact, the only thing we're told here in this text is that Enoch walked with God. And that very thing landed him in the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Of all the people they could have talked about, Enoch walked with God and he got in this Hall of Fame chapter because of his faithfulness, his deep devotion to serving God. Now, if you stop and think about it, you can really say a lot about a person in a short phrase after all, can't you? I mean, we know David was a man after God's own heart. We know that Abraham was a friend of God. We know that Elijah was a man of God. But no greater testimony could ever be said about anybody that you walked with God. You were walking with God. Enoch here, as best we can tell, is only one of two people that ever lived on the planet and yet didn't die. It just says he went off with God. The other one's Elijah, swept up by a whirlwind. And Enoch's life here, I think, 
in these very few words, 50-some words here that were given here in Genesis 5 and some 90 words over in Hebrews chapter 11 that speak about his life, some great truths we can take with us today as we find ourselves in the middle of this pandemic, these very challenging times in which we are living. Strange times, intriguing times indeed, but times that ought to call all of our hearts to turn toward God, to look to the Lord, to be on our knees, to be walking with God. Some of these truths that we find, I believe, can really speak to us today and challenge our hearts to get on the journey with the Lord. The first thing I would like to say is that from his life, we can know that it's possible that we can have intimate fellowship with God. That's the first great truth I would share with you today, that you can enjoy intimate fellowship with God. We are told Enoch here had a profound fellowship with the Lord with God, he walked. Now, nobody, uh, you know, can really go throughout this world maybe without walking very much. I mean, anybody can know about God, but how many people really know God? Now, there was a missionary some years ago, and he had spent a lot of time in India, and he led a lot of people to Christ. And one of the converts later on, after observing just his passion and his walk, it was so alive. And he said, you know, there's something really different about you. And he said, I just got a question. Does God have favorites? And he said, no, God doesn't have favorites. He has intimates. And, you know, that's a great point here as we look here at this text. And we find here that Enoch here had this fellowship with God. This is what this is conveying here as the scripture is talking about he's walking with God. That kind of companionship. Now I can tell you how much you have of God without knowing anything at all about you because you can have all of God that you desire. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, it says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You know, if you are going to have that kind of uh, companionship with God, that kind of fellowship with God. It takes an intentional, uh, uh, you know, direction on your part. For you have to confess your sins. You have to seek the Lord. You have to come unto God. One of the most profitable forms of exercise, is it not, is walking. In fact, you know, they tell us that every day about 30 minutes we ought to be out walking. And here we see in the scripture it's profitable too for our spiritual life to get away with God and to meditate upon the Lord. Uh, St. Jerome, out of the 4th and 5th century, he was fond, he had this phrase that he would say, uh, something like this, to solve a problem, walk around. And isn't it true sometimes how it can stimulate your thinking? I know many times in my life, I have just gotten out in a park or in my neighborhood, and I just did some prayer walking and just spent some time with God. And there's something about that. You know, a lot of the great authors did that. People like Emerson and uh, uh, Hawthorne, they were walkers. It stimulated their thinking for their writing. And I think also there's that picture here that we find of this intimate fellowship that we can have with God. It's active. It's alive. It's a close companionship and walk with the Lord. 
And, you know, if you're not walking with God, you're really walking away from God. Uh, you don't need to spend time with God so you can get to know God. God already knows everything about you, but you spend time with God to get to know God, to understand God's will for your life, to learn about God and who he is. A second thing that I would lift up here as a great truth for you is that you can exercise intense faith with God. This is what we understand here Enoch doing as he was walking with God. Not only was he having intimate fellowship with God, but we know he was exercising intense faith with God. Uh, the New Testament here, the, its commentary on this Old Testament character is in Hebrews 11 and verse 5, and it says, that By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, for he was pleasing to God. And above everything else, Enoch was a person of faith. And that is why he could leave behind as his testimony, he pleased God. He exercised complete obedience unto the Lord. And if you want to please God, you have to obey God. You got to trust God. And nothing pleases God like faith. In fact, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And Enoch's name means dedicated one. Now, you know, in the Bible, many of these names that were used really conveyed something significant. I know in our day, all for, uh, you know, some of us will pick out a name because our grandfather was that name or our, our grandmother or there's a name in our family or, or maybe you've been in Dr. Spock's books or whatever and you've seen this name or everybody at school is naming their, their daughters this, these days or whatever. But in the Bible times, a lot of these names really conveyed some deep meaning. And Enoch's name here, it meant dedicated one. Now, I heard about a robber one time, this thief that broke into a person's home, and uh, they, he didn't think anybody was there, but he kind of startled him when he walked in and found this older couple in bed watching TV. And he pointed his gun at the woman, and he said, what's your name? And she said, my name's Elizabeth. And he said, it's your lucky day, because my mom's Elizabeth. I'm not going to be able to shoot you today. He pointed his gun over to the husband and said, what's your name? He said, my name's Harry, but everybody calls me Elizabeth. Well, I got news for you. In the Bible, names really convey some deep meaning, some real meaning. Names are very special and very important. How about the name this Methuselah? It was a very special meaning. It shows here something about him in this text. It means when he is dead, it will come or it will be sent. Now, how would you like for a name to be hung around you that had that kind of meaning, Methuselah. When he is dead, it will come, or it will be sent. Now, what do you suppose the it is? There's been a lot of speculation about that. A lot of people have, like, looked into that. But this, some people say, is a prophecy of the coming of the flood. From the very moment that Methuselah was born, Enoch knew that God's judgment would be on the way. In fact, Enoch knew that as long as Methuselah was alive, the judgment of God will not occur, and that's exactly what seems to be going on here and what happened. The moment Methuselah died was the moment the flood came. Now you say, how in the world can we know that? And again, some people theorize as they look at the text that it could mean this, and that is in Genesis chapter 5 it says, uh, here at age 187, that Methuselah became the father of Lamech. 
And in verses 28 and 29, when Lamech was 182, he became the father of Noah. If you add those two together, that's 369. So Methuselah was at age 369 years of age when his grandson Noah was born. And when did the flood come? We know in Genesis 7, it tells us the flood came in the 600th year of Noah's life. And so you had 60369 and you get 969 years, which is exactly how long Methuselah lived. If you stop and think about it, pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? And the very moment that Methuselah drew his last breath was the time that God closed the door on the ark. Man, he said Methuselah was God's ticking time bomb of judgment. I remember back to my early years of vacation Bible school, one of the trivia facts that I learned about was the oldest guy in the Bible. His name was Methuselah. He lived this 969 years. And it's not a coincidence that Methuselah was given the privilege of being the oldest man who ever lived. His name meant something. And when I die, it will be sent. And I think the reason why he lived longer than anyone else was because it was an illustration of the long-suffering of God. That God is so patient with us. We are creatures that are prone and bent to sin and to just go unhinged in life. We see so much evil and hatred and covetousness and jealousy and murder and violence, everything like that all around us. But our God is patient. As the Bible says there in uh, the book of Peter, uh, God is not slow. Uh, you know, in his promise to us, but he's patient toward us, not willing that any suffer, but all of us come to repentance. And so Enoch here had an unbelievable, intense faith with God. He was dedicated in his walk with the Lord. And not only here did he have this intimate fellowship, and also he had this kind of intense faith, this active and alive faith, but thirdly, he had an incredible future. With God. Here it says that after 300 years of faithfully walking with God, day in and day out, he walked with God and God simply took him. There in verse 24, think about it for some 24 hours a day, all of those 300 years or so, God and Enoch walked together and they just walked off together. The big deal about Enoch was not how he was taken, but where he went. And he had a future with God. He went to be with the Lord because he stepped out. Now, take a look at this picture that's on the screen here. I, I was here a few years ago. I was on board this tram. And, uh, I, you know, I wasn't on there very long, but I knew my next destination, I had to get off. And the, the driver uh, of the tram, he, he pulled up and he stopped. And nobody else ever got off that stop but I know it was a stop I needed to get off and and I stood up and I was waiting for the back door to open and it never opened and and I was afraid the driver's going to pull off and I was going to be like you know I have to backtrack and so I hollered out back door and just then everybody else that was on the tram said just step down the door automatically opens and I was really embarrassed I have to say because I'd never been on something like that with well, you know I I thought I was standing close enough for the thing to open up, but I guess not. But I got to thinking about that. You know, I bet a lot of doors don't open for people because they don't take that step. They don't just step out and put their trust and faith in God. 
I want to say to you today as we prepare for this time of communion how important it is for us today to know God, to be on that walk with God, that daily walk with the Lord. You can have such a great companionship with God in your personal life. You can have that personal relationship, that intimate fellowship with God. Friends, you can have that kind of uh, alive and active faith, trusting God, expecting God, even in the middle of this pandemic, even with all the problems that we face and the worries and the concerns, the consternation that's gripped the hearts of so many, you can still have that deep tranquility in your life to know that in the end, God's got this. And not only that, but you can have that future with the Lord. So I want to invite you today as we prepare for this, this moment of communion and really to remind you, you don't have to be an official member of our church to take part in this moment, but that you repent of your sins, you confess your sins unto the Lord, and you come before him. And so I want to share a time of prayer, and I want to invite you right now, those that are joining us on the live stream by the hundreds, also you that are here today, just to pause for a moment and confess your sins unto the Lord. So let us, uh, let us have a moment of prayer. O oh, merciful God, we confess today that we have not loved you with all of our heart. We have failed to be obedient. We have not always done your will. We have broken your law and we've rebelled against your love and have not loved our neighbors and we've not heard the cry of the needy. We pray you would forgive us today. Free us, O oh Lord, for joyful obedience and for that walk, that daily walk with you. Be present upon every heart here today. Bless them with your presence and may each know your forgiveness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.